Um, so, have you guys heard of Marie Kondo? It's like her book, the uh, the magic of tidying up, something like that. It's like sweeping the nation. You've probably seen it at bookstores. There's even like a Netflix show about it. I think we have a picture up here. People heard about her? Yes. Okay, yes. So her her whole thing is about um, tidying up and getting rid of things and simplifying your life. And her, her process is you hold things and if they bring you joy, you keep them and if they don't, you give them away. And that comes from a very mystical kind of Far East philosophy, but I think there's a good practical element here um, that we're going to talk about today, and that simplicity is spiritual. Isn't there something inside of us sometimes where you just have a day, and you're overwhelmed by work and life and stress and relationships, and you're like, I'd like to move to Montana, buy a little plot of land, go to a log cabin, and live off the land. Doesn't that just sound simpler sometimes than all these text messages and schedules and everything you have going on? And so I think there's something inside of us that craves a simpler existence than what we have. And I think that's because our souls long for simplicity. See, I don't think less, or rather, I don't think more actually is better. I don't think bigger is always better. I think less really is more. Having a few nice things is better than having a house full of garbage or crap. Like, I love my grandmother who just passed away, like Darby said, but she was a hoarder. I mean, like, legitimately a hoarder. You would go to her house, and you'd have to, like, push through stuff to get in the front door. And her garage, I remember as a kid, I loved her garage. And we would go and visit my grandma in Pittsburgh when I was a kid. And my dad would say, do you want to crawl through the tunnels in the garage? And I'm like, yes! Because she just had so much stuff piled up that he about how do you spiritually grow? Because for a long time, 
I grew up in the church, and I've spent years in ministry, and I've seen lots of people who learned more and more about Jesus and God and about the Bible, but they didn't love their neighbors anymore. They didn't worry less. They didn't look more like Jesus, but they knew more about Jesus. And for a long time, what I kept hearing in the church was, if you learn a lot about Jesus, eventually you'll look like Jesus. And what I realized was you could learn a lot about Jesus and not end up actually looking like Jesus. And that's why we probably all know Christians who, they might have a lot of good theological knowledge, but they treat people like garbage, or they worry all the time, or they don't forgive people. And somewhere along the lines, we've decided it's better to have an informational Christianity than an incarnational Christianity. But what I found was, what Jesus taught us is, if we would embrace and um, really live out some of these spiritual disciplines or habits that Jesus lived, we could begin to live and love like Jesus. We could begin to spiritually grow. If you feel like in your life, man, I've been at the same spiritual point for so long, developing spiritual habits help you grow. Just like this, if I said, well, I'm unhealthy physically, but I'm not going to diet or exercise, but I hope that I'm more healthy next year. You'd say, Alex, you're going to be just as unhealthy next year because you're not doing anything about it. But that's how a lot of us spiritually have been. We're like, I hope I'm more spiritual next year, but I'm not going to take any spiritual disciplines into my life. If we want to grow spiritually, we need to model the behaviors that Jesus did. And so in the first week, we talked about how we need to model the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence. We need moments where we get alone and we're quiet enough to hear what our soul is saying and for our soul to speak to God. And then in the second week, we talked about self-denial and serving and how when we don't get what we want, but we give what we have, it grows our spiritual muscles. And last week, we talked about the spiritual principle of Sabbath, how every one of our souls longs for a moment to rest and reflect on what God has done. And if we don't rest and reflect, we'll constantly be thinking about what we have to do next instead of celebrating what God has already done. And today, we're on our fourth spiritual discipline. We're talking about simplicity. Now, simplicity isn't just about stuff. It is about stuff, but it's also about schedules. It's, it's Instead of asking how much I can do, simplicity says, what really matters? What should I do, not how much I can do? It asks, what do I really wear, not should I buy this? Uh, would I, do I really need this, or do I just want it? Do I really love this, or is this just something I'm doing because everybody does it, or someone else does it, or someone expects me to do it? See, we overcomplicate our schedules, which overburdens our souls. And I think most people in our society and culture today, they have souls that are heavy laden and burdened because we don't live out simplicity. Our schedules have no margin for silence and Sabbath, and we don't practice the spiritual discipline of simplicity. And that's why our schedules are overburdened and overtaxed. Have you ever felt that sluggishness when it's like the more you have to do, the less gets done? It's like you have such a long list that you don't get anything done, but if you have a short list, somehow you're able to knock those out. What is that? I, I think it's our soul saying we do better with simple things rather than complex things. We, we say, okay, I've got all this to get done, and it feels like we can't even get the first one started. We feel overwhelmed when we're not practicing simplicity with our belongings and with our schedules. And so Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. 
So Jesus is walking along with some people, and as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then he pointed to another guy and he said, follow me. And that person said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Jesus seems like a real jerk in this passage. We'll talk about that in a minute, about what he's really saying here. Um, my undergraduate degree was in English. I was an English major, so I had all these writing classes. And in writing, they taught me a very simple principle. Never say something that you can show. Right? If I'm writing a story and I say, the woman was very angry, that's bad writing. It's better to say, the woman picked up a vase and flung it at her husband's head. Then you know she's angry, right? You don't say it, you show it. And here we have this first guy in this passage who he goes up to Jesus and he's like, I'll follow you anywhere you go. Jesus is like, don't tell me you're following me, show me you're following me. And see, we're really good at sometimes saying things and not actually doing them. It's always easier to say you're going to do something than to actually do it. That's why we say words, because they're cheap, they're easy, they don't really cost us anything. But what do people believe in? What do people trust? They, they trust when they actually see our actions align up with what we're going to say. And so many times in our lives we make cheap promises to God. Instead of actually pursuing Him, we say, God, I promise I'm going to pursue you. We, we make these promises to Him, but God knows the future. He knows we're just saying what sounds good in the moment. Instead of promising obedience for a hundred years, start being obedient today. You know, I think sometimes God is more impressed when we take a small step of obedience today instead of promising a big step of, of, of obedience tomorrow, with a mouthful for me to say. Start being obedient today. You know, um, all the time, Darby and I talk about getting back on our diet. So a few months ago, we were on a diet, and Darby, you lost like 30 pounds. Um, I didn't lose that much, but I lost some weight as well. Well, we got off that diet around her birthday because we, uh, we ate her birthday cake. Yeah, it was your birthday. Um, so here's, what, here's the conversation we have all the time. We're going to get back on the diet. We're going to get back on the diet. And then we have an opportunity to eat some really delicious food. And we say, we'll get back on the diet tomorrow. Tomorrow. You know, tomorrow starts a new week. I mean, technically Sunday's the first day of the week, but Monday's really when your week gets going. Let's, we'll start back tomorrow. I mean, there's donuts over there. We'll start back tomorrow. And I think a lot of times we come to Jesus like this man and we're like, I'm going to do whatever you want as long as it's not right now. As long as it's someday. Like, I'll walk with you right now, but, and I'll follow you anywhere as long as it's in the future and not in this moment. But Jesus tells this man he's not impressed with talk. Jesus explains that he lives a very simple life, and Jesus just doesn't talk about simplicity. He says he lives it out. He uses this example. He says, foxes have holes to live in and birds have nests, but I live a very simple existence. And if we're going to follow Jesus, that means we're going to need to embrace simplicity in the same way that he did. If we're going to be a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved, we must embrace simplicity. And I started thinking about this this week. Simplicity is reverse FOMO. 
You know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. You know, millennials get a really bad rap about FOMO, but really all of our culture uh, embraces this kind of thinking at some point. FOMO is when you think, oh man, if I commit to that, it means I'm gonna possibly miss out on something better. And so we refuse to commit to anything so that we can do everything. You know what that is? That's the opposite of simplicity. When we don't commit to something, we don't invest deeply enough in it to experience joy. And so what we end up having is a whole bunch of shallow experiences spread out that exhaust our soul instead of a few committed experiences where we build our spiritual muscles. See, FOMO leads to shallow experiences instead of a few deep, meaningful Simplicity means you're going to miss out on some experiences so you can go deeper in the experiences that matter. FOMO will keep you spiritually weak, but committing to a few things will build your spiritual muscles. See, simplicity means saying no to many things so you can say yes to the best thing. That's simplicity. That's the spiritual discipline of simplicity. It means I'm going to say no to some things that maybe I'd like to do or that might be great so that I can keep my priorities to the best, most important things. And as Jesus talks about this here, he seems to say some things that are incredibly harsh. Like, how would you like if Jesus walked in here and he said, Alex, your grandmother died, let the dead bury their dead. I'd be like, Jesus, man, that's, that's harsh. That's, that seems very unkind. And then he goes on and he says, don't say goodbye to your family. Just follow me. Go just wonder where you are like you're a missing person, you know? That's not what's going on here. Most scholars agree that both of these excuses were just that. They were excuses to follow Jesus someday, but not today. They said, Jesus, we'll do it someday, just not right now. I, I need some time. Almost everyone agrees that this first guy who says, let me bury my father first, his parents were not yet dead, because if they were, he wouldn't be walking down the street with Jesus. He would be part of the Jewish uh, funeral grieving process, and he would not be walking down the street. What he was saying is, my father will die someday, and after that, I will get my inheritance. And after I get the money that's coming to me, after my family has passed away, then I will follow you. When I'm financially well off enough, then I will follow you, Jesus. I'll simplify my life after I make sure I get everything I possibly can from my inheritance. And so what Jesus was saying was not, I don't care about the dead or grieving for the dead. What he was saying was, stop making excuses to follow me someday and choose to follow me today. In the second case, the man said, let me go back home and say goodbye to my family first. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody asks you something and you're put on the spot and it's right there in the moment and you feel pressured to say yes, but really you're like, I want to say no, but I'm face to face with them. And then after I get home, I'll send them a text message that says, no, change my mind, can't do it. Just remembered I have something else. You know, I got to wash my hair. I got to do something else. And so that's exactly what's happening here. This guy's like, oh man, Jesus asked me to follow him. Let me go home and say goodbye to my family. And when I get home and my family's around me and they're celebrating me, then I can just send a message to Jesus and be like, oh, sorry, got caught up with family stuff now, can't make it, can't come. 
If I go home, my family will talk me out of it and they'll make me feel good about staying and I won't have to worry about following this Jesus. And Jesus said, stop making excuses. If I'm the priority, follow me and stop looking for other things to distract you from. You know, if you're always making excuses, there'll always be another excuse. If you make an excuse today, guess what? You'll find an excuse tomorrow as well. So many times I make excuses to myself about why I'm not starting something today, and guess what? Tomorrow ends up being like today where I make new excuses. Simplicity is about having proper priorities and saying no to everything else. Your soul longs for that. Our culture says, get involved with everything. And simplicity says, get involved with the most important things and say no to everything else. And Jesus uses this example here in verse 62. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Anybody ever plow a field? So... I have not plowed a field like on a giant tractor, but my dad had this small, uh, I think it was called a rototiller, and so it had an engine on it, it had all these blades, and you would walk it um, up and down the rows of garden. My dad always had these gardens when I was growing up, and each year he was like expanding it bigger and bigger and bigger, and um, so eventually we had this huge garden plot that's probably about the size of this room, and he would have me till sometimes, and you'd be walking with these things and you'd hit a rock and you had to be completely focused in on what you were doing or your rows looked really bad. And what happened is you had a limited space because he had it fenced in and you had to make best use of that space by making your rows straight. If your rows were crooked, you wouldn't have as much space to plant stuff. And so sometimes I would start going down the row and I'd get a text message and I'm like, oh, check that, you know? And then I'd look back and my row's completely off right there. Or I'd get distracted by something like a car going by or a bird flying overhead or I'd start thinking about something. And my rows were all over the place. But if you're going to plow correctly, you're going to be focused on plowing. It's going to have to take your full attention. And we live in a world and a culture where we never give anything our full attention. We're always distracted. We're always trying to do three or four or five things at the same time. And what Jesus says is, I need to have your full attention, your full focus. You need to be fully engaged in the kingdom of God. If you try to read a book as you plow, your roads will be uneven and your field will be ruined. Plowing requires total concentration, total commitment to the moment. Sometimes I think our souls are exhausted because we've never committed fully to the moment that we're in. Sometimes I sit in a meeting, I had a meeting uh, yesterday in fact, and I'm on my phone also checking emails, also writing something in a journal at the same time as I'm listening to somebody. And I thought, here I am, I'm speaking about simplicity, about being fully in the moment that you're in, and I can't even do it the day before. Simplicity is about being so in the moment that you can impact and enjoy that moment to its fullest. Simplicity is about lining up your loves and keeping the most important loves and getting rid of everything else. So, we have a simple example here uh, with these cups. So this is your, your time and your energy, your passion, your excitement. This is what you have to give to a week. 
Okay, so let's say this is five hobbies in your life. If you're going to divide this up between all of them, yes, you, you make a mess during the process. But then what's going to happen? You all end up investing a little bit in each one, right? Well, what if suddenly you said, you know what? The real priorities are just these two. Well, all of a sudden, you can fill these all the way up. And see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to have it all, and our soul is exhausted because it's spread too thin. And our soul's meant to deeply dive into a few important things and trying to, instead of trying to have everything. Having more means you enjoy each thing you, you have less. Having less means you can enjoy each thing you have more. In Matthew 6.21, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you treasure, what your priority is, is going to control your emotions. I don't think we realize this. When we try to do so much and we try to have everything and we wonder why we're emotionally a mess, our emotions are up and down and we have all these anxieties and worries and fears, uh, Jesus said wrong priorities will ruin you emotionally. But he says if you prioritize me, if you say simplicity, I'm going to put God and maybe family and maybe one other thing and these are going to be it. This is what I'm going to be about it eliminates some things so you can focus on the best things. A profound, meaningful life is not measured in how much you have or how much you do, but in how fully you have the things that you have. How much you can fully grasp them and do them. See, we've decided that doing a lot of things badly is better than doing a few things passionately. So how do we set up healthy priorities, and practice simplicity in our life. The first thing I would encourage us to do is reduce. All of us probably do more things than we need to. And it's not just what we do, it's what we have. Um, you know, a classic case is when I buy a new video game console, I usually have one game for it, and I love that game and I play it like crazy. The first game I get for a console ends up being my favorite because it's the only one I have and I play it until I know all its secrets and I enjoy all the best parts of it. And then when I have a console a long time, I end up having a lot of games. And you know what happens? I play the first couple levels on each game. And I never fully enjoy them and break them. A few years ago, uh, Justin started playing this game with me. He's like, I, I said, this is the worst game I've ever played in my life, video game. And he goes, that's the one I want to play. And so we started playing it. And it's like this zombie survival game. And I had played maybe 15 minutes of it before this, and I was like, this game is garbage. Well, with Justin, all of a sudden, we start playing over a couple weeks, and I'm like, oh, this game's got some interesting stuff. This game's a lot bigger than I thought it was. It's got a lot more content. And I actually started to enjoy this game that before I said was the worst game ever because I put some time into it. And I realized there was more there than I thought. I think in most of our lives, we're not practicing simplicity, and so we never commit to something long enough to see the joy that could come in staying and focusing and sacrificing to see what value is actually there. So reduce. That might mean instead of having five hobbies, you have three hobbies. That might mean rather than having a hundred pairs of shoes, say, you know what, I need four pairs of shoes. You know, or uh, it, it, whatever we have, we tend to have too much of. Reduce. 
refocus what really matters and what really impacts my life and the lives of the people around me. A lot of times we do things and we never think about why we do them or what the benefit of doing them are. And finally, reevaluate. I think we constantly need to be thinking, okay, in my limited life that I have, I was thinking about with my grandmother passing, life, the Bible says, is like a vapor. When it's cold out and you breathe and you see that mist and then it's gone, God says, that's what your life is like. Like, thank you, Alex. That's very encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. But, but the thing is, you have a limited window of time in this world. So instead of trying to invest in everything and do everything and be like, well, my friend over here is doing this, and this person I know is doing this, and this person is doing this, and I've got to do it all, say, what are the things that really matter, and how can I spend my time and energy, my money, my focus, my passion on those things? Um, down in Tennessee, where I lived before I moved up here, there would be families, and their kids would play baseball, basketball, football, lacrosse, soccer. They were literally at every sport you could possibly be in because their friends were at every sport they could possibly be in. And they thought, my kid has to be doing what their kid's doing. And you know what their evenings look like? They're running between 15 different practices and their weekends are running between 15 different games. And then they get into travel ball. And then they're traveling around, running to all these different things. And they're exhausted and overwhelmed. And they're like, I just don't know why it's so overwhelming to be a parent today. And I'm like, you're trying to do what if your kid did one sport? Oh, no. They, I mean, that would be horrible to only let them do one sport, and their friends are in every sport. And I'm like, you need to be able to breathe. See, from a very young age, our culture is telling people, stay as busy and distracted as you can. And what Jesus is saying is, that's not healthy for your soul. It's better for your soul to focus on a few things that matter. You don't need to do everything. You don't need the biggest mortgage you can get. You don't need the newest, nicest car. You don't need to be involved everywhere. You don't need to necessarily watch all the sports games. You know, you don't need to have watch every golf game, every football game, every baseball game, every basketball game. You might say, you know what, I'm just gonna watch when my team plays. Maybe you don't need 20 video games or 200 books. You can scale back and what I find is, when you walk into an environment where you just have a ton of stuff, what happens? You, your soul feels cluttered. And when you walk into a week where your schedule is overwhelming, what feels happens? Your soul feels cluttered. We need to reduce and refocus and reevaluate. I think our brain is strained from trying to have it all. I think our soul is strained from trying to have it all. We have weak souls because we don't live simple We were made to enjoy a few things deeply, not many things casually. Perhaps nothing seems to satisfy you in life and you jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing because you're trying to be satisfied by everything instead of being deeply committed to the best things. And Jesus here, he says such an unattractive thing about following him. If Jesus was trying to sell us on being a follower of Jesus and living and loving like he did, he's not a very good salesman. But that's part of the reason that I love Jesus. Jesus isn't trying to trick you into something. He's being very honest and open. See, I believe living and loving like Jesus will change the world. I think it will change our lives. But Jesus doesn't lie to us about us, you know, like a used car salesman. 
Here's what he says. Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Follow me. And so what Jesus, can you imagine this as a pickup line? Sometimes in uh, college, me and some of my friends, we used to joke about bad pickup lines. And uh, one of my favorites in college was, uh, there was this one guy, his pickup line he always used was, we were in Tennessee, and uh, he would say, Tennessee, you're the only 10 I see. And he'd use that all the time, and it was horrible. It, it just didn't work. It was like a, it was a horrible pickup line. Um, but can you imagine someone coming up to you and said, you know what? Foxes live in holes, and birds live in nests, but I'm hungry. Want to go out? That'd be horrible, right? But that's essentially what Jesus says here. He says, foxes have holes in the ground, and birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. Follow me. And he's not just saying walk around with me. He's saying live and love like I do. Simplify your life like I simplified my life. Be so focused on the things of God that you make that your first priority. Often we try to do everything, and when we focus in on our priorities, rarely does Jesus get the top spot. Sometimes family does, sometimes work does. And we wonder sometimes why our life feels lackluster when our priorities are grossly out of whack and we're trying to do everything instead of focusing on the very thing we were made to do, to know God. When we focus on many things, we enjoy each thing we have less. When we focus on one thing, we have the potential to enjoy it immensely. Too often we fill our heads with hundreds of ideas and hundreds of plans and hundreds of strategies and schedules, and we wonder why we're stressed. Your soul is made for simple things. Simplify. Focus intently on God and watch your priorities fall into place. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek the kingdom of God first, and all these other things will be added to you. See, if God is our first priority, our other priorities tend to fall into place. But when God's not our first priority, we will try to prioritize the world to fill the hole of God not being in his proper place. So, at the end of all our spiritual discipline sermons, we want to talk about how do we implement this into our lives. Because if you just exercise once a month, you won't get healthy. Right? This has to be a daily, weekly exercise. How can you put solitude and silence and Sabbath into your weekly life and rhythm? And the question for today is how can you put simplicity into your daily, weekly rhythm? First of all, be willing to say no to things that aren't a priority. Be willing to say no to things that aren't a priority. I don't like making people sad. And so when people say, hey, can you do this? I'm like, I don't want them to not like me. I'll say yes, even if it's exhausting and I have a hundred other things to do that day. And what I find is trying to say yes to everyone means I'm saying no to the health of my soul. Say no, say no to some people means I'm saying yes to my spiritual the second thing we need to do in simplicity is be in the moment. If you're working, work. If you're playing, play. Have you ever done this where you're like, I need to write this paper, and uh, but at the same time, I'm also playing this cell phone game where I'm also distracted by something else. So when I was, uh, this is my confession time, but I used to read books as I drove. I haven't done that up here, but in Tennessee. I would read books as I drove. 
And because um, I, I needed to know how the book ended, but I had to get somewhere, and so I couldn't stop reading. I had to still read it. And so this one time, you know, you put it up there, and you, you kind of steer, and there's not a lot of people on the roads in Tennessee, so it wasn't that dangerous. Um, sometimes there'd be a corner and, you know, a really good part in the book, and I'm like, oh, you know, got to get back on the road. So one time my sister was in the car, and she was in the passenger seat, and I was reading as I was driving, and she said to me, she said, Alex, read or drive. Don't do both. And I think a lot of times we're in a moment where we're trying to do something else at the same moment we're there. Be in the moment. A few years ago for our anniversary, I took Darby to Niagara Falls, and we went down on the, I think it's called the Lady of the Mist. It's this boat that goes up to the falls, and you just are covered in the mist and the spray coming off from this huge waterfall. And everybody on the boat had their cell phone out, or their iPad out, or their phone out. And I looked around, and I was the only person who wasn't holding an electronic in their hand. And I'm standing there, like, in the experience, and they're all trying to record the experience. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we're in a moment, and instead of being in that moment and enjoying that moment for everything that we could, we're thinking about the next moment or the moment that came before or all the places that we're not. Be where you are. Develop habits of simplicity. And that might mean that you say, I'm not gonna buy an extra thing because I have that. Or I'm, I'm gonna buy one good one rather than six bad ones. I'm going to develop some habits of simplicity. And then finally, focus on your priorities. Take some time to really think about what matters in life. I would argue with you that Jesus is the first and highest priority. And if you try to put anything else as your highest priority, you're gonna find a life that doesn't Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge to simplify our lives. And Lord, forgive me for so often making my life complicated and filling it with so many things that I'm doing poorly instead of a few things I'm doing well. God, I pray that you will help us to know the best, most important things to invest our time and our energy and our passion into. And Lord, you will help us to pursue those with our whole heart, with all our energy, and you will grow our soul as a result. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus would.